Good evening and welcome to the Muller Time Podcast. I hope all of you are doing well. Uh, I wish all of you could see me right now. I uh, I created a little new uh, studio space and um, it's uh, I, I think in radio or anything, it's better to leave it up to your imagination. But let's just say I'm 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 six one and I'm tightly cramped in this area I've carved out for myself in the studio. Uh, the purpose of which is to eliminate more uh, just you know background noise and things, but it really is comical. It's like a clown car. So next time, maybe I'll take some photos and uh, get it up there for all you guys. Uh, As always, I'd like to thank our Patreons. And if you do want to support the show, we are on the Patreon site, uh, Patreon backslash Muller time. And I've even created a $1 tier just to uh, get people involved. So if you're interested, uh, you can go up there and support us. So as you can probably already tell, I am alone tonight. And that's what I want to talk about first. I, I, I want to talk about the concept of uh, fear because last week I did the show for the first time I did it alone. And it was something I was thinking about doing for a while. And the more I put it off, the sort of the harder it got till eventually it was almost like I couldn't do it. So finally I just kind of bit the bullet and I did it. And I really appreciate all the messages I got from from all you guys that that you liked it. They really meant a lot to me. Uh, of course, we're still going to have guests coming in all the time, but I, you know, it's sort of like reminding me when I learned how to ride a bike when I, you know, back when. And I just one day I just did it. I just took it out in the backyard, and it just you know, you just learn how to do it. So that meant a lot to me that you sent me all those messages, and uh, just wanted to thank you guys again for all that. The, the reason I brought that up was. When I was thinking about the concept of fear, I related it to sort of what's going on in this country right now. We're being ruled by a, a radical Republican Party. Well, I don't want to say we're being ruled because they may have the White House, but we are going to triumph in the end. Um, and we, you know, the majority of us don't support them. That's just a fact. But it made me think about all the Republicans have right now, which is which is fear, right? They don't have any ideas. They don't have any... Uh, that's all they have. Actually, since I was a kid, the the whole thing that their party's based on is vote for me or you die. Like it's it if it wasn't so serious, it would be comical. That's the whole thing. Vote for me, you die. The Willie Horton ad, right? Back when. Vote for me or you die. So it, it made me it made me think of when I did this show by myself that, you know, I finally got over my fear of doing something. And I think together we're definitely gonna get over this administration. Because that's all they have. And like, you know, Franklin Roosevelt said it best, right? The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. In case you guys forgot, last week, or rather, excuse me, today is about day 30 or so of the national emergency. Now, the reason you forgot about it is because it's not a real fucking emergency, right? It's fake. And that's why for some of you guys who watch my videos, you know, I go up out on the balcony with my sunglasses on and check in with you guys because it's funny. It's not a real emergency. I mean, it's not funny what Trump is doing and none of of that border wall and the things he's doing down there are funny. But the national emergency does have a little bit of humor. So it occurred to me that if this was actually a real emergency, a lot of people would be calling the White House. I mean, wouldn't you? Of course you would. They'd be deluged with phone calls. All right. So I think that this show should do our part. So if anyone is really concerned about the national emergency, 
why don't you go ahead and uh, you can give the White House a call at 202-456-1111. Now, that's the real number. Again, that was 202-456-1111. And this is the key thing. Make sure you let them know the Mueller Time Podcast asked you to call. That's the key thing. Very important. And just, you know, I would check in and just say, you know, you know, anything you're thinking about this national emergency, that's their comment line, right? So that's the line that I don't think it's a live person. It's just for you to check in with them. But we should really let them know. And if there's any tips or anything that we need to know in this grave, dangerous emergency, that's something that we'd like to know. Um, this is definitely not a serious story, but I just love it. It was just the funniest story of the week. And that, and you know, in a time where there isn't a, <laughs> where there isn't a huge amount of humor, you do look for it. And that would be Jexodus. If you don't know what Jexodus is, you may or may not. <laughs> During the week, it came out that a uh, woman who I won't name because it's not really relevant and why give anyone press who doesn't deserve it. Uh, a woman who worked for Donald Trump has come up with Jexodus, which is the exodus of the Jewish people from the Democratic Party. Now the first, and she's been on Fox News and Trump tweeted about it because they're trying to push this thing. But like everything with the you know the Republicans, it's fake. It's an astroturfing thing. It's totally fake. But it is funny. So th- this woman who worked for Don- <laughs> this woman, you can't even really say this stuff with a straight face. This woman who worked for Donald Trump uh, has created a movement where she believes that Jewish people should leave the Democratic Party. Now, the first thing that's funny about this is that, and I I wish I could claim that I thought of this, but I actually saw Sam Cedar talking about it. She's not a Democrat. So she was on (laughs) TV, as Mr. Cedar so aptly, you know, astutely pointed out, she was on Fox News and she was talking about this Jexodus thing. And she said, we are leaving, but you're not a Democrat. It's like, I don't know. Am I crazy? Like, does anything the Republicans do, is it ever honest? Like, I would I would have so much more respect if you just said, look, I'm a Republican, but I think this is what you should do. But they can't even do that. So I guess the idea is, uh, for all this time, the Democrats have, you know, 70 to 80% of Jewish people, of which I am a member of that group, vote Democrat. And they always have. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But I would say that the chief reason is, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but generally Jewish people side with uh, the disenfranchised and the people who, who need help, even even as we rise in power in America and we have uh, from, from much more humble means, we keep that and we identify with it. So for, uh, for some reason, they think that they can bring us over to the Republican side, which is, you know, it's, it's legitimately hilarious. I mean, this is... This is the party of the Republicans are the party of Charlottesville, the party of both sides uh, of white supremacy, which I'll be talking about a little later. So the idea that the idea that Jewish people would go over, you know, in, in mass is hilarious. Now, there's always going to be a percentage and it's, it's relative in my lifetime ex- life experience. It's been about the same, about 20 percent of Jewish people uh, 
are Republican and some are, are very sort of hard line. And a lot of that has to do with Israel. And it's, um, again, it's, it's not something I agree with, but that percentage has stayed. I mean, I support Israel, but not in the way that they do in this kind of blind, hard line stance uh, where you're throwing everything else out. And, and so they, I guess these Jexus people think that they can, you know, sway us. And it's just very funny. So I actually contacted them for an interview uh, and they didn't write back, which is pretty typical. You'll find with the, the modern Republican Party in America that they're very, the free speech grift has become very big. You know, like these guys like Ben Shapiro or whatever, their, their favorite thing to do is go to a college campus and cause up a firestorm and then they don't speak and then they get paid basically. But what I've found through the course of this show over a year is that I've, I often will contact these organizations, even asking, hey, I'll go on your show. I mean, I'll go on the firing line as the the Democrat or the progressive or whatever you want to call me. They almost never write back, virtually never. And this is just another one. You know, I would love to talk Jexodus uh, with that woman. And, I, you know, maybe she will write back. I don't know. But uh, that just made me smile. And it, <laughs> it really is good to have a laugh every once in a while these days. Uh even that name. And you know what you can tell too? It's total astroturfing. What'll come out if this is more than a one day story is that there'll be money behind it and it'll be the same people, the Koch brothers and whoever. And it is just comical. <laughs> Jewish people tend to be pretty educated and uh, because of our history of, of things that have happened, you know, I would say fairly savvy towards uh, somebody who's doesn't have good intentions for you. So, you know, it's not going to fool anybody, but it is good comedy. Beto O'Rourke, in really one of my favorite stories of the week, has announced that he is running for president. Uh, By the way, my legs are getting cramped here. This is like, I might have to stand up or something. This is like being on an airplane or something. Um, Actually, yeah, I'm going to stretch out here for a sec. Just bear with me. Okay, that's much better. Uh, Beto O'Rourke has announced that he is running for president. So here's my here's my feeling on Beto. Overall, I think this is the best. I think this field is the best that I've ever seen for a Democratic primary. And I think that, and I like a lot of people, so I'm not like endorsing anybody. But I truly think that this guy could go all the way. He just, he just has that thing, that thing that just grabs people. And, you know, they're, they're already attacking him, which is typical. That's what's going to happen. Everything from, you know, a lightweight to, I mean, I'm telling you, if this guy can't win, nobody can. Because what he did in Texas is incredible. He almost beat Ted Cruz. It's like when I hear people talking about him as a lightweight, Look, I went through and read his policy positions and it's no more lightweight than anyone else. His website lays out, you know, what he believes. Um, other than healthcare, which I think he could be a little stronger on, he is he is in favor of universal healthcare. He hasn't quite gone to Medicare for all, but that's okay. We're, you know, I, I, I'll take what I can get. And what I, what I, what I see is, you know, very much what I like. Uh, 
I'll tell you, this guy is just, he's a real person. I mean, you could tell. And yeah, he comes from a, a fairly wealthy background. And yes, he's only has a few years of experience, but he's been in Congress and he's been, he also has life experience. Uh, I mean, you know, the guy, I don't, not like I think like getting arrested is a, a sign that you should be, but it shows that someone has made mistakes and kind of owned up for, up to them. The big one that came out this week was that this guy is a hacker. I, I mean, he was a real hacker. He was a member of the the United States' most famous hacking group. They're called, and this is a real name, the Cult of the Dead Cow. Now, I'm sorry, but if you don't think that that's awesome, I don't know what to do for you. And it's not like this guy was committing some big crimes. He stole a little phone, you know, long-distance service, whatever. You're a teenager. Uh, it's it's forgivable. But, the, you know, to me, the big point is that this guy is able to galvanize crowds in a way that, I don't know. All I can say is like, while there's a lot of great candidates, I I think that that's that's a gift that is very hard to find. And if he was able to do that stuff with Cruz in Texas, really, imagine what he could do in America. Uh, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to his candidacy. And actually, I'm going to look into seeing uh, maybe if I can work for him. I would like to work for one candidate. I don't know who it's going to be. But don't discount this guy, really. He's, some, he's something special. Um, so let's get into Mueller. Last week was pretty, very big in the Mueller investigation. So let's let's get into some updates here. Uh, first of all, you know, I didn't even have this on my list, but it's it's really been getting me. The reports about the Mueller investigation ending, are, I mean, are you as sick of it as I am? It's, and it really speaks to a larger issue about about the media and about trustworthiness. We're living in a time where, and don't get me wrong. I think reporters are the heroes that are are really saving the day and all the work that they're doing. But you have to stop reporting that you know what's going on in the investigation. And if you do make a mistake, you have to explain it to those of us who are who are citizens, who are regular people. You report these things and then like like Ken Delanian, I like the guy. But the guy every time he's on TV, it looks like he's about to fall over with some scoop, some excitement, which is great. It's good to love your job, or maybe it's too much coffee. I don't know. But then you say it's about to end, and then a month later, you just go on like nothing happened. It's like it's like walking into a room and saying, you know, you, know, you guys aren't going to believe this, and then just like going and eating some chips or something. Like there has to be accountability, and none of the jobs that all of us do in our careers, we're not allowed to act like that. If If we do something erroneous, we're held accountable most of the time. So I wish they would just, look, if you don't know what's going to happen, then just don't say it. And if you do make a mistake or your sources are wrong, it'd be nice to not pretend like like nothing happened. Um, so that said, the, um, the Mueller investigation is funded through September. So you take that what you will. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how long it's going to go. But to me, that that's a good sign. Um. The House voted 420 to zero to release the report, the Mueller report. I don't think there's anything, I mean, it doesn't get much more supportive than, than that. It's clear that 
they know that the majority of people want to read the report. So even the Republicans voted for it. Uh, in the Senate, of course, Lindsey Graham blocked it because, I don't know, there's a lot of theories on on that. But the Senate is clearly the less democratic institution, not something that I think I realized till this whole Trump debacle. Uh, so I guess they didn't vote on it. But rest assured, we're going to see the report. I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. Everybody knows that. And if they try to do anything funny with William Barr and all that, that report is going to hit the desk of every newspaper in the country. You and I both know it because Mueller's a patriot. And and I mean this in a positive way. He's also a political figure. Remember, he was the head of the FBI. And he understands in the big picture what this means and how dangerous Trump is. Uh, Let me also tell you a quick story about Mueller that, because, you know, it's like, you don't hear anything about the guy until recently. I hadn't even heard his voice till a couple months ago. So it kind of becomes like this, you know, like a godlike figure. But I read a story that this was a long time ago. He ran into a guy he, he knew who had just taken a job working for a senator named Don Young in Alaska or a congressman. I'm not sure. I think it's a senator. And the guy told him, he was kind of proud. He told him, you know, hey, Bob, I just got this job working for Don Young. And Mueller looked at him and he said, why would you work for that guy? He's a crook. So this is a guy who really despises political corruption and isn't afraid to kind of speak up even to a friend and to say, you know, why would you work for a crook? So we're going to find out what happened here. And he he understands, you know, this is the last case. This is, you ain't going to top this. You know what I mean? Um. Paul Manafort, of course, was sentenced. Uh, he, he's got about eight years now. And I'm sure there's other things that can be charged. But right now he's looking at eight years by Amy Berman Jackson, uh, who's the good judge, uh, not the Trump-supporting judge, whose name is already fading into the back of my head. So she was very clear and gave him uh, almost the max of what he could have got. And now we'll find out how Mr. Manafort is going to play all this. I mean, he's got to serve his time. Will he be pardoned? And then, of course, he has state charges that are being prepared, and there's uh, things going on with the uh, New York State Attorney General and the Southern District there. Roger Stone's trial is set for November. That should be interesting. Uh, He continues to violate the gag order. Again, if so I, I did get some nice emails from you guys explaining, some of you who are lawyers, about why you think Judge Jackson has been professional but not too hard. I still don't get why he's not behind bars right now. And again, even just within the last two days, the gag order has still been viol- violated. I didn't even know he had a daughter, but he does. And she was tweeting stuff that I'm sure is coming from him because that's what these people do. They just It's like a tentacle because it, it sounded like him but it was coming from her account that violates the gag order. So, you know, I don't know. The guy also apparently like wrote a book and that also violates the gag order. So, you know, it's like, it's endless with this guy. You just wonder when there's going to be any kind of, um, you know, a consequence. Um, Mike Flynn is cooperating. Um, you know, it is kind of comical (laughs) with Mike Flynn because, out of all the figures the in this debacle, Flynn is the one who, if you're online a lot, like I am, he has the most support of 
like really like a lot of the Trump nuts. If you're on Twitter, um, you may have noticed that many of these people have three stars after their name. That's that's for Flynn. That's a support of Flynn, which is hilarious because Flynn is the original flipper. I mean, that's that's what's so comical. I read that Flynn flipped within like five seconds of the FBI agents knocking on his door. I mean, they even go out of their way in a lot of the books about this investigation to say how helpful he was. Uh, and just that he was totally upfront. And he even, <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't make sense. So for whatever reason, they are incredibly, uh, I don't know, they made him into a martyr. Maybe it's the military thing. I, I have no idea. So he's his he's still cooperating, but from what I read, it's basically about complete, and he'll be ready for sentencing. I'm sure he's going to get virtually nothing, which for treason, I think. I mean, I think Flynn should be behind bars forever, but I'm not a I'm not a prosecutor and I'm not an investigator, so I'm sure he helped lead to much bigger things. His information, so it is what it is, I guess, huh? It's not a perfect world. Um. Rick Gates is the one who's actually still cooperating. And some people believe that Rick Gates can be the most crucial figure in this because as the deputy, remember, he was the deputy chair of the RNC. He was, of course, Manafort's right-hand man. Uh, He's kind of like Henry Hill from Goodfellas, right? The guy who kind of operated at all levels of the mob without actually being in the mob. And Rick Gates knows a lot. So from what they're saying, he's nowhere near ready for sentencing. And apparently, from what I'm reading, they said he's giving, they were very clear, multiple investigations, so not just Mueller. Some of the reporters I read implied that he's he's very heavily involved in the inauguration investigation in the Southern District and, you know, where all that money went, stuff like that. So we're going to find out. He's a very, he's an interesting character. I mean, he's a crook, but there really could be, um, you know, a lot we could be learning a lot about Mr. Gates soon, and I'm uh, I'm surely hoping to find out more. In one more uh, sort of thing that just broke, actually right before I did this show, a, a Czech investigative journalist who I was not familiar with till now. His name is Andre, I think Kundre, uh, but this was this was reported, sort of or re uh, restated by both Natasha Bertrand and Scott Stedman, two of the best. Uh, sort of Mueller reporters, so you know that it's it's legit. Uh, we learned that basically the FSB had a a secret operation in the Czech Republic uh, involving IT firms. They used IT firms as a front for hacking firms, and Czech counterintelligence. It was a, it was extremely extensive. I, I hope somebody like translates the article because uh, basically you sort of had to go by what the other reporters were saying, but. Basically, they they had an extensive hacking operation uh, going till 2018. It didn't say when it started, uh, but Czech counterintelligence shut it down. So, of course, the reporters made the point to explain that, remember, that's where Michael Cohn, according to the Steele dossier, was said to have gone uh, to pay the hackers who helped Trump win the election, right? And I know he says he wasn't there and all that, but... That's that's a pretty, as Natasha Bertrand herself said, that's a huge development. So Russia had a, a massive hacking operation there until 2018. So it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes more and more clear, I think, that the Steele dossier is true, of course. And that, you know, I don't know if Michael Cohn was there or not, 
but something clearly went down there. So Andre, Andre Kundra, um, I need, really need to learn how to pronounce that. Uh, that was a big one. And that was, that was pretty much Muller for, for the week. Uh, I think a lot's going to happen this week. You, you know, you could sort of tell because I saw something that I've actually never seen before. It was on Saturday. Virtually at the same time, uh, Trump and Sarah Sanders and Rona Romney from the GOP, they were all attacking the Mueller investigation. I've never seen that. And I've never seen Sanders do it from the press secretary account. I mean, maybe once or twice, but not like that. It was a real, it was a real like lunatic one, even for her. So, you know, I, I think these people are really running scared because uh, they know what's coming. Uh, you know, the main thing I wanted to talk about today actually was I, I want to talk about Republicans and their Republicans and the existential threat that they pose to democracy, to this country. And the reason I'm bringing it up is that I want to solicit your opinions on how we can fix this because this is a team effort. And the more and more I do this show, that's what I like about it. So if you have any opinions on this, it's Podcast at Gmail or any of our social media, which I'll plug later. We're on all of them. It seems to me that, especially with some of the events of the last week that I'm going to get to, the our biggest problem in this country, it's not... It's not people from outside the country. It's not It's not terrorism. It's not ISIS. It's Republicans. I mean, I, that doesn't give me any pleasure to say that. It makes me sad. Like, you need to have more than one party in a country. But this is, this is a party that is an existential threat to this country. And in three ways, which I outline, right? The first one is white supremacy. They've embraced it. The, the parties, they have no ideas, no goals. Like I said at the beginning, the whole thing is now preserving a white uh, group of white people that trends are showing will not, that's just not the way the world is going. And who fucking cares? It's, it matters who people are on the inside. It's not a cliche. It's true. But that's what the party is. That's what. That's why Trump won, uh, part of why he won. That's like why Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote that great piece, the, you know, the first white president, that that's what Trump is. So that's what this party has embraced, white supremacy. The second thing, the danger, is their willingness to get in bed with any foreign country, which is called treason, right? Or it used to be. His supporters don't care. And in fact, appear to show allegiances to countries like Russia and, you know, dictatorships around the world over their own people, over us, Americans, uh, and the third is that, and maybe the most dangerous thing, these people are fundamentally not American as we understand it. They're, they're anti-government extremists. So they're against climate change and they're against your kids going to a good school. And the things that, the reason people come to this country, they appear to be against it. So what I want to put out there is, how do we, how do we, if not stop this problem, how do we control it? Right? 
because Trump is just the symptom, right? He's not the disease. And I don't know, I don't know if it can be stopped, but I think it can at least be, what do they call it? Um, quarantined. You can at least get a handle on it. Now, the number one thing is obviously voting, right? Voting in our candidates, but there have to be other ways too. There has to be some way to at least to bring these people around, or if not, at least contain the problem, right? Because we all got to share this country together. So if you have ideas on that, again, it's Miller Time Podcast at Gmail. I would uh, really like to know. I mean, I have my own ideas, but I, you know, like to solicit opinions. Uh, Facebook is under criminal investigation. Yeah, womp womp. I know it's like probably the third one. Uh, but this one was broken by the New York Times. Their data collection is under investigation, uh, criminal investigation by the, I think it was the Eastern District of New York. So this is about how when you took a quiz about whatever personality and how it went straight to Cambridge Analytica and they harvested the data, that's that's pretty much what it is. But not not Cambridge Analytica specifically. It's about how they allow their data to go everywhere, which again gets back to the heart of of a lot of this Mueller investigation, which is what did they do with that data and how did they deploy it against us? Uh, you know, Facebook has to be held accountable and these tech companies, they've got to be held accountable for what they did because we have, uh, we have an election coming up and they haven't really made much change. So what's going to happen? Like one of the, the founding principles of, uh, of criminal justice is that if you don't hold people accountable, they'll continue to do the same thing, right? Impeachment. Uh, Nancy Pelosi made some comments that you may or may not agree with. Uh, basically, she came out strongly in an interview and said, I think we should focus on other things. So I've been talking about this with people all week and I'll just, you know, put it out there and just say, I, I don't agree. Uh, I, I, I understand that she has a lot bigger things in mind and she knows a lot more than, than I do. Uh, the way I look at this is that it's, it's not like, it's not like a, like a, like an option, right? Like, the, the founders put impeachment in the constitution for a reason. And we're living in that reason right now. There'll never be a bigger reason than Donald Trump. He literally is the reason. So we elect our officials to carry out, what's their number one goal? It's to carry out the constitution, right? It's to carry out and to represent us. So it's not an option. That's why it's in there for right now. And not only do we not know what's going to happen tomorrow with Trump, which makes every day that he's in there a menace. What about down the line? You know, isn't it true that right now, in some ways, aren't we dealing with this because Nixon was never really held accountable? He resigned, but he was pardoned. So it sets a tone and a a precedent and you never know what's going to happen. I mean, if this guy's not impeachable, who is? So, you know, I just... I appreciate the good work she's put in and she's definitely played him enough times to, you know, solidify her reputation as one of the greatest, if not the best speaker of the house ever, but it's, it's okay to come out strong. You know, it's like, again, it's like this thing, it's like walking into a room and like, just, 
you know, it's like you want to raise, right? And you, or it's like walking into a room with your boss and just saying, you know what? I don't need a raise this year. You're like taking yourself out of the game before, you know, let's just see what happens. Um, I don't know. Maybe she knows something that, well, I know she knows stuff that we don't know. So I guess we'll find out. But I think it's okay to do what Tom Steyer does in these people and just say, look, you know, this guy needs to be impeached. I mean, it's not like he's going to change his tactics, right? He's not going to be any any nicer. I, that's just something that Democrats have to get through their head. He's not, these Republicans are never going to like you and they're never going to be nice just because, you know, you cut them a break at any point, um, in my opinion. Uh, just two more and then we're going to wrap this thing up. This might be the biggest story of the week, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Cindy Yang, if you've been following, is the the businesswoman in, that's a, a a charitable term for what she does. She owns the massage parlors, which really function as human trafficking operations and, um, you know, where prostitution takes place in Florida, where Patriots owner Robert Kraft was... Um, was arrested and a lot of other prominent people are been there. And now it's coming out that it's coming out that Cindy Yang, uh, you know, look, she's basically a Chinese intelligence agent. She, the stories are coming out and they're breaking faster every day. So it came out that basically, at first it was just, okay, you're buying influence and that's bad enough. But now we know that Cindy Yang is a member of a group. They're called the United Front. The United Front is a function or a, like an arm of the the Chinese government, the Communist Party. And they're in like all these countries all over the world. It's like to foster, on the surface, it's to foster diplomacy and, you know, make connections, that kind of thing you know, diplomacy. But really what it is, if you read into it, is it's a type of intelligence gathering. And she works for them. So this is a person who never had any interest in politics, but all of a sudden, like in all these stories that we're reading from across the country and different countries, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, all these people who are in our country, all of a sudden just decided that they were getting involved in politics and throwing huge amounts of money. And if you've seen the pictures of Cindy Yang, she's in photos with every, I mean, it's unbelievable. From Trump down to the lowest of the low Fox, you know, Dan Bongiorno commentator, <laughs> like everybody. Uh, she had access to all levels of, of the party and she even had a website where she sold, openly sold access. It was a consulting business. So I guess my question is, who else has been doing this and how many people have Trump in their pocket and what are the countries we don't know about? You know, all we hear about is Russia. Now we have Cindy Yang, you know, what's next? Was anyone, it's like they say on the wire, right? Like Clay Davis says, if you're a fan, I'll take any motherfucker's money if he's given it away. That's sort of what happened here, right? It's, it was really a combination of things going on at the same time. Uh, just one more thing on a personal note. 
the podcast needs a little help with an intellectual property issue. So if any of you do that, uh, practice that kind of law or know someone who does, we'd greatly appreciate your help. It's at Muller Time Podcast at uh, Gmail. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think this is going to be an eventful full week. So I am going to wrap things up here. You can follow us on Twitter at Muller Time Pod, Facebook, Muller Time Podcast, Instagram is Muller Time Podcast. My personal account is Eric LeVay. Uh, as always, patreon.com if you want to support the show. And if you have any ideas or anything you think that we should talk about, you can always email me. I really do want to hear because I do want to build something with this. That's my goal. And I think we can do that together. And it's much more interesting when you build something together rather than alone. That's boring. So otherwise, as always, uh, it has been a pleasure. And oh, one more thing. Yeah. I'm toying with some different kinds of formats. I don't know if a daily show is possible because that just, that's, I don't know, but maybe two shows a week or one solo and one uh, group or maybe the interview show, uh, like one solo show and interview. I don't know. If there's something you want to hear or any ideas that you have or people you'd like to think you want me to interview, let's do it. Otherwise, as always, uh, we'll catch you next week. Mm -hmm.